Blog Talk Radio. Eastern family and friends, it's Thursday and time for From the Eastern Files, which we bring to you every other Thursday along with the EAL Old Time Radio Show. My name is Neil Holland, the producer of the Eastern Airlines Radio Show, and we're happy to have you listen in as we continue to broadcast our favorite topic, Eastern Airlines, of course. Today we take another file out of the Eastern Airlines history. Our airline is gone, but it's never forgotten. Our file today is from an article written by Captain Jim Blackburn, an Eastern pilot who flew the MAC flights during the Vietnam War. But first, let's hear another of those wonderful Eastern commercials. Panama City. If business is taking you to Latin America, with just one phone call, Eastern Airlines can get you to more cities in Latin America from more cities in North America than anyone and pamper you with our famous El Interamericano service. Welcome to Santiago. Eastern, your airline to all. beginning, mankind has worshipped the sun. And in eastern sunny Caribbean, they still do. Eastern, we're the one to the sun. into our script as we take off every Monday evening with the sound of a Eastern airplane taking off. And now let's turn to the Mac flights to Vietnam by Captain Jim Blackburn. Eastern Airlines flew its first military airlift command contract flights 
of the Vietnam War on July 1st, 1967, out of McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. From July to October, we flew to Europe, mainly into the Rhine-Main Air Force Base in Frankfurt, West Germany. There were other flights into Presswick, Scotland, uh, RAF Mildenhall in Suffolk, England, uh, Turgeon Air Base uh, near Madrid, Spain, and the Naval Station Rota uh, on the southern uh, coast of Spain, among others. By the grace of God, fine adventures were had on layovers in Frankfurt, London, Madrid, Seville, and other exotic spots, all while enjoying the top flight pay at Eastern. (laughs) In October of 1967, we shifted our operations to the Pacific, flying troops into Vietnam from U.S. West Coast bases. This was a bit different type of flying operation. The airplanes and troops would normally continue across the Pacific to Vietnam after a brief stop in Hawaii, Wake Island, and refuel only, and Guam. Crews would lay over at each rest stop except Wake and pick pick up the next EAL flight coming through. Returning from Nam, we stopped at Clark Air Base in the Philippines as well. We normally had two to four day layovers. This story is taken from my flight log and it is one of my more interesting flights to Vietnam. On January 30th, 1968, our flight crew consisting of Captain uh, J.J. Smith, myself as the first officer, Mel Coughlin as second officer, and navigator Steve Colvis plus six flight attendants, when we departed from Miami to Atlanta for an overnight layover. The following day, we continued deadheading to San Francisco. At San Fran, Eastern provided a a van to pick us up and take us to a motel in the Napa Valley, where we were able to see some of the beautiful California vineyards and sample a bit of their crop. On the next day, February 1st, we were transported to Travis Air Force Base, where we picked up our airplane. It was a stretch Douglas DC-861, aircraft number 8777, and 224 troops. Our flight of five hours and 51 minutes over the Pacific to Honolulu was routine, and we were looking forward to our two-day Waikiki Beach layover at the beautiful Ilikai Hotel. As usual, our ground rep met our flight, but this time we had a special message for us. He said our flight was canceled and another crew would not be uh, taking our airplane further west. Our troops would be unloaded and we may be forced to remain in Honolulu for a few extra days. We almost said in unison, oh no, not extra days in Waikiki. What's the reason? Our rep informed us that there had been mass attacks in Vietnam called the Tet Offensive, and several civilian air carriers had been hit with small arms fire. No more flights were allowed to depart for Vietnam until further notice. We vowed to tough it out in Waikiki, no matter how long it took.
After a full day off, February 2nd, we were surprised to get the call uh, to proceed west toward Vietnam the next morning. We asked if the battles were subsiding and were told not that much, but there is no more room on Oahu for any more troops to be housed. All the available spaces at Fort DeRussi, Schofield Barracks, and Pearl Harbor were taken, and we had to move the troops out no matter what. This sounded like my old days in the Air Force, a calculated risk operation. They calculated, and we risked. On February 3rd, we were again flying our same DC-8 westward from Honolulu's Hickam Air Force Base, with a brief fuel stop at Wake Island, then on to Anderson Air Force Base on Guam. One thing we noticed on the island were the signs that the government had erected, a sign saying, Guam is good. On Guam, Eastern provided the crews with three Australian Holden station wagons, two of the flight attendants and one of the front-end crew. We usually stayed in modernized stilt houses near the Navy base. And on the way there, we would often pick up a case of cold San Miguel beer to cool off with and get into the island mood. We had plenty of time to explore the sites on this island that had its first contact with Europeans when the Portuguese navigator Ferdinand Magellan landed in 1521. While we didn't know it at the time, there were still several Japanese soldiers who had never surrendered, hiding out in the caves in the hills. Over the next two days, we drove around the island and visited the Navy's top of the Mar Club, a Japanese Navy command post during World War II. A day later, on February 6th, we flew the next eastern flight from Anderson nonstop five hours and nine minutes, to Bainh Han uh, Air, Air Base in Vietnam. Our Loran Sea navigation aid was not working well, and we were told in our departure briefing that the uh, KISMs were jamming the frequencies. The CHICOMs, excuse me, were jamming the frequencies. Offshore, we noticed a large Soviet fishing trawler and we're told that they radioed the NVA, the departure times of all flights headed toward Vietnam. Large numbers of Boeing B-52 bombers were based at, at Anderson at the time. During the flight, our flight attendants would announce to the troops that we had real milk on board, but it was not consumed at our next stop. It, but if it was not consumed at our next stop, it would be given to the wounded at Clark Air Base Hospital. The hospital normally had only powdered milk on hand. Taking the hint, the GIs would not drink the milk. <laughs> when we got in the country nearing Saigon, we called Paris Control Radar to vectors to Bien Hoa, which was still under an amber alert. Bien Hoa was only 17 kilometers northeast of Saigon. Paris gave us a descent to 5,000 feet. This altitude was supposed to be above most small arms fire. As we flew over the combat zone, it was like watching the 6 o'clock TV news. 
but five on the, on the scene. We did notice some smoke coming up from a wooded area ahead and to our right. Paris was asked if they had any airstrikes in our vicinity, and we were told that things were changing too fast for any accurate advisories. Immediately thereafter, we noticed uh, two Bell Cobra helicopter gunships passing beneath us, making a rocket attack. They were the source of the smoke in the woods. We thought this was cool because it would uh, tend to Charlie down so they wouldn't bother with us. About two minutes later, however, a big explosion went off on our left side. We didn't know what it was, but didn't think that we had been hit. Although we felt the concussion, we were already uh, unpressurized for landing. We couldn't tell if we had any holes in the airplane. For our 224 troops on board, it was a rather rude welcome to Vietnam. On final approach, we descended rapidly and landed without further incident. After troops deplaned, we checked our bird for damages but couldn't find any. In base operations, we told the duty officer about what had happened on our approach, and he casually said, oh, that was uh, more than likely... At this time, uh, we'll finish the story on our next, uh, on our next from the Eastern Files, uh, as uh, we do not have that much scheduled time uh, in this show. Well, that's our show for today, and we hope you will be back with us August 1st at 3:30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time when uh, open another from the Eastern Files. Make sure you join us next Thursday, August 22nd. When EAL Old Time Radio plays the great music and singers from the Eastern Days. And don't forget, our microphones are open for callers to join us Monday, August 19th, when we remember the summer of 69. You know, keeping our Eastern family informed is the greatest importance to this radio. And with that, this is Neil Holland until we sign off, as we do with each broadcast, by saying goodbye, Eastern family. And thanks for listening. So long, Eastern. We love you, Eastern.